0: Retirement is often seen as a destination, but we believe it's an opportunity to pursue your passions, realize your dreams, and live a purposeful life. Great decisions, incredible lives. Retire With Intention podcast is about more than just money. It's about embracing the things that truly matter, the experiences, the relationships, and the impact you leave behind. Here is your host, John Kriegmer. Hey, John Greenberg here. Welcome again to Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retiring with Intention. And as we see every week, it's not just about retirement, that's just the stage of life. But it's about living an incredible life with intention and I love introducing you to friends of ours that we've met over the years from all different backgrounds and just kind of walking through how do we make great decisions and how, how does that play to live that incredible life? And uh, so excited to have Brian Colbert with us today. Uh, Brian is from the Springs out in Colorado, and uh, Brian is a certified financial planner, a registered investment advisor. And he is dedicated to providing personalized financial services since 2007. Man, oh man, that's 16 years, Brian. That's a long time. I know, quite some time now. It's amazing. So you found a bonfire financial to better serve clients as a true fiduciary, prioritizing their needs over the shareholders. Unbelievable list of accomplishments being named one of the top advisors in the state of Colorado and nationally by the National Association of Board-Certified Advisory Practices. Passionate about continual learning, holds the DACFP certificate in blockchain and digital assets from the New York Institute of Finance. Uh, unbelievable experience, phenomenal integrity, and uh, really committed to helping your clients and really all people just increasing knowledge so they can make great decisions. Brian, excited to have you here today. And uh, you, you ready to get started on this? No, absolutely, glad to be here. And that was too kind of an intro, so thank you. But can you tell us about your background and the experience in the financial industry and what led you to become
1: a certified financial planner? That's a good question. And honestly, it was driven a lot. My father was in the industry. Uh, he worked uh, at the wire houses. And so as I grew up, First job out of, well, in college, I should say, was uh, selling copiers, which was a great job. Absolutely loved it. Probably a little weird for that, but it was a sales job. But honestly, no one likes talking to you about copiers. That's not something anyone wants to. Uh, and so just kind of talking to him uh, and the stories he ha- had uh, about helping people and individuals. And it was kind of one of those things. that was like, oh, that's kind of fun. You get to uh, have a relationship, grow that relationship, and kind of see them you know, expand over their lives as their financial future changes, their lives change, things grow, kids grow up, things like that. And so, I was like, oh, that's really fun and sounds interesting. So, then I started interviewing a couple other advisors at the time I was in San Diego. So, other advisors there, other advisors uh, my father knew. It sounded really uh, intriguing to me. So, uh, you know, I took the leap. kind of jumped into it obviously went the wirehouse route at first which was you know it was great it was a good learning experience i should say as far as learning the market how things work Uh, but it definitely came into uh you know they have uh, preconceived notions of exactly what i should be selling and maybe how i should be selling it to individuals and i wasn't a big fan so eventually decided hey i needed to uh, jump ship start something else and that's how bonfire started in 17 yeah well, I mean, only 20%
0: of people that call themselves financial advisors have actually done the educational component and passed the CFP exam and are true certified financial planners. And I, whenever I meet a fellow CFP, it's like, man, that has a lot of work going into that. But it really sets you apart as far as in what's at the heart of what's important about financial planning. And that's being a true fiduciary. So uh, a lot of folks have a, have a journey where you start off in that investment business and all of a sudden you get quite disillusioned pretty quickly recognizing it what it really is. And so um, I think having that CFP really sets you up well. Uh, when you kind to of think about it with bonfire financial you know what sets bonfire apart
1: would you say from other financial advisory firms always a loaded question which i love you know because i always you know people always ask well what's what's the difference and like the fact of the matter in my opinion is to a certain extent it's a lot of commoditization in the sense of that you know everyone has the same products right like there is no unique products i mean sometimes they're proprietary but most of the time a stock's a stock a bonds a bond things like that you know what i really think sets us apart is kind of our approach and the sense of how we engage with our clientele right and obviously kind of with the name bonfire that name came with the fact of like i think life is a celebration you should be enjoying it enjoying the process you know, and living it and having a lot of fun as you go along the way. And so, a lot of people get caught up in the sense of like, there's that fine ledge of how much do I save now versus I could live forever, but I could die tomorrow. How do I, you know, and then you get the whole YOLO kind of thing of, you know, you only live once kind of thing. And so, it's like finding that fun balance. Uh, and that's where I really think, you know, coming up with creative solutions to figure out how can you live today, but yet still be saving for tomorrow? Because honestly, we don't know what tomorrow brings and we don't know how long we could live. It could be, you know, quite some time. I mean, shoot, with modern day technology and medicine, it keeps being longer and longer. I mean, my grandfather is 104 right now, which is quite impressive and still doing extremely well. So, I mean, I kind of have that personal take of like, man, you can live for quite some time. So, you still want to be saving, even though, you know, I'll talk to some people who say, I don't want to live past 90. Uh, (laughs) But besides the point, so I would say, you know, what really sets us apart is kind of that creative approach of trying to figure out how to balance that fine edge of being able to enjoy today while still being able to save for tomorrow.
0: And I think that, um, that really to me highlights a lot of who you are, Brian. When I was looking at even on your background as far as in your bio, you're a continuous learner. And then you actually went out and this new, as everything's changing, we have this new technology out there called digital currency. And, um, and so you wouldn't pursue a certificate in blockchain and digital assets from the New York Institute of Finance. Why did you pursue that the, the, that advanced certificate? And,
1: and how do you see that actually playing into the clients you work with every day? No, so to me it was, you know, when it first came out, I'll be very honest, when Bitcoin um, and blockchain all came out, I was skeptical as anyone else. You know, I'm sure, you know, people have heard the tulip craze that happened in the day. of, And yeah. I kind of even told clients that it was kind of seemed like it was going to be like, that. It was going to be like the tulip craze and don't take it too seriously and, you know, maybe stay away from it. And then it, it kept, you know, it kept sticking around and it kept rallying and coming back. And, uh, and I was like, all right, well, let me let me dive into this. Let me actually learn a little more of exactly how it works because it's a whole new technology. I mean, it's quite hard to grasp, you know, even with a lot of the education that I put into it, it has been extremely difficult. And I feel like I learned something every day about it and how it can work and how it, you know, can transform lives and, you know, the everyday uses going forward. So, So, So it's very interesting. So I just started learning more and it just kind of piqued the interest. And then I was like, all right, well, clients are asking about it. And I found the institution. I was like, well, let's, you know, let's get certified. Let's actually see what. This is all about, uh, and it was a great course. Loved it actually. Very in- insightful, very in depth of you know how blockchain works, how Bitcoin works, kind of the everyday uses that you m- we might see in the future, and how it could become something real. And to be honest, a lot of it came from you know clients constantly will ask. You know, not every client, but clients will ask like, "What happens if the dollar falls? What happens if this happens? What happens if the government happens? You know, something goes down, right? I mean, there's always a conspiracy theory that we could talk about. And it's like, all right, well, let's see what what alternatives are there out there. Let's learn. That's the only way I can see that we actually move forward is we got to keep learning and things evolve because honestly, what, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation over a Zoom call. Right?
0: Isn't that the truth? It's it's like the world's always changing. The conversation changes, the opportunities change, and the definitions change. One of the big things that's changed is the way people walk through retirement. I remember when my grandfather retired way back in like 1983 or something like that. You know, his vision of retirement was definitely different than my dad's. And it was different again than folks that are retiring today. And I know folks that are 25, 30, 35, 40, their views of what that stage of life looks like changes. And in your bio, you talk about reshaping retirement plan expectations. And so as far as that entire changing dynamic of retirement, how do you guys walk through that conversation with people and you know what ways do you think that retirement plan has been reshaped?
1: Um, I mean, the big thing for us is what I deal with any client. It's really diving down to, you know, as you mentioned, everyone has kind of a different aspect or a different idea of what they think retirement's going to be. And so I think to me, it's getting down to the bottom of what are they expecting, right? And some people are, hey, I'm expecting to retire at 55 and live this kind of travel lifestyle and you know, that's fine. We just have to make sure you can afford it. So I think it's kind of, uh, when you say reshaping it, I think it's more figuring out a way to make sure that what they think could happen is actually reality, right? Like sometimes, you know, what you want isn't going to happen just because the money isn't there or the resources aren't there, or maybe it needs to be reshaped or we need to be start focusing on how do you get to that point where what you want is a reality, right? And I think it's more backing into it from what you expect and backing into How do we make that reality or how do we make that possible? And what changes do you need to be making now? You know, and I think as far as reshaping retirement, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, you know, your grandfather, like, probably had a pension or something like that. Pensions are dead. I mean, finding a pension is very rare uh, these days. And, you know, living off Social Security probably isn't the life most people want to live as far as just living off what they get from Social Security. They definitely want to have a little bit of extra walking around cash, I would say. And so, I think the other big aspect of how it changes, it's lasting much, much longer, right? Like if you retire at sixty five, which kind of the we'll call it generic age, and you live, let's say, until my gra- grandfather's age of you know one hundred and four. I mean, that's forty years of in retirement. I mean, that's almost longer than you were working, if not exactly the same. And that's not that has not been the norm. So I mean, money needs to last much much longer. And I think that's definitely reshaping how we think about retirement and making sure money is working as hard for you as you worked for it in your working ages. Yeah, you know, it's interesting just talking this through this. Uh-
0: it seems like everybody, they go to work and uh, we get our paycheck and we use that for our, our bills and we have a portion of that amount of money we make, head over to a retirement account, whether it be a 401k or 403b or TSP, you know, as far as what, whoever your employer is, a different flavor. What have you found, Brian, whenever people come in to see you and they have that dollar amount in their retirement account, and the plus they have whatever, maybe they have a pension, that's great, very few folks do, uh, or maybe they have their social security or their government funded um, income, depending upon who their employer is. And so, do they, do you find people, do they have a general idea of what their incomes is going to look like whenever you factor in that big pool of money in the 401 day? Or do they kind of really not, not certain as far as how much they're going to be getting for income?
1: I would say that most people are not certain in that. I mean, I would say the majority of people, I mean, there's been a lot of studies and they'll read. I mean, most people who have accumulated money, like, they're not, they're not dumb people. They're very smart, right? I mean, they've obviously saved. They know what they're doing. And But to the extent there's a couple nuances, right? Because it's a transitional phase, right? I haven't met one client that transitions into retirement and there isn't a psychological barrier of going from, I work, I get an income and that pays my bills to I switch over and now my investments are paying my bills. Like That is a big switch. I haven't met someone who doesn't have a little bit of a struggle with it at first. But I, I mean, to your question, as far as really diving into the answer, as far as like how to handle that or deal with that, is one, most people I think spend exactly when they first get into retirement, are either gonna spend as much as they're spending now while they work, or they're gonna spend a little bit more. Is not right? I, I wanna stop you right there. So we know that the old rule of thumb is plan on living on
0: 80% as far as what you were living on. And what you just said, that that's not the case in reality, right? In
1: reality, no. I mean, I think whoever came up with that rule should be shot because it doesn't help anyone. No, I mean, in my experience, that has not been the case because what I see happen is someone who retires at let's say, you know, 60 or 65, they're young, they still have the energy, they still have their health. And they're like, hey, we postpone traveling, we postpone doing this. And now they're going to go travel, they're going to go do the stuff that they postponed because they had kids or whatever it might be, uh, or work. And now they're going to spend the same amount and or more. Uh, And so I tell people constantly that they are going to spend the same amount, if not more, at least in the first part of retirement, it might come down as you know, hey, you get a little older and maybe you've done it, right? I've seen it, I've done it, I don't need to do it again. But the first part, I definitely am like, no, we're not. you're not spending less, you're not spending 80% of that. I have not seen that ever to actually come to fruition. It
0: almost seems like there's different stages of retirement, doesn't it? Like uh, that first stage, like you said before, I mean, what's the difference from when you were working to the day after you retire? Well, you're the same person, you have the same energy level, you have the same, the only thing different is you got time. And so- that's tired to do the stuff you always wanted to do. is so that first stage, man, you're right. You're probably spending at least as much, if not more, because now you're filling your time with things. And you know, it's funny you said that uh been there done that. It's kind of like you've done a second stage, and it's like, you know, you've done a lot of those things. So maybe you're not traveling as much or whatever. And that third phase that I kind of see out there is like that, uh, and maybe it's 20 years down the road after you retire. Uh, we always kind of laugh when you go to buy a used car, and the salesman says, Oh. You know, a little old lady drove this, and so it's got, you know, 3,000 miles on it, and it's three years old. There's some truth in that. I mean, when it gets dark, you're not driving as much. You're not going to the big city to do stuff. And and so you're not spending as much money, even though inflation is there, unless you have some unusual medical expenses. And so, Brian, how do you walk through with clients on that big unknown, which is the medical side? There's two parts of that, the medical side of it, and then also, like, the long-term care side Is that an integral part of retirement planning for you guys?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, I would say, you know, to your point, when it comes to medical expenses, it's probably the one thing that people overlook and can blow up a plan the quickest, right? Because I mean, medical expenses inflate probably faster than everything except for maybe college education, but they go very fast uh, and they can obviously disrupt the plan in a very quick and meaningful way. You know, so having the health care or getting to that Medicare age where you can actually be on Medicare, you know, so that kind of is always a big question when we're doing retirement planning. But yes, figuring. That piece out, it's difficult, right? Because it's the unknown. You're healthy. You think you're, you know, almost, well, I won't say invincible because I don't think most people think that, but you don't think anything bad's going to happen, nor do you really want to think that, right? It's kind of a woe is me kind of uh, mentality, and no one really wants to go there. But obviously, we do want to plan, right? And we do want to make sure you have health care. You do want to make sure that we're planning and we have the money to pay for those health care premiums on Medicare all the you know different parts that you can get you want to make sure that that's there and you're planning for it the other piece to that is obviously the long-term care piece of that you know you don't know whether you'll need it obviously it's one of those like it's like term and in life insurance like you don't want to bet you're gonna die you don't want to bet you're gonna have alzheimer's or some you know ailment that makes you go into a nursing home or something like that that's not something anyone hopes for or expects but it does happen i will say that i think clients when they've experienced on a personal level either through family or for a close friend when they see it, then it's more, yeah, we should look at it, we should get it. But it's always a hard conversation, right? Because you don't know. And, you know, for us, you know, we do bring it up. We do talk to clients about it. We do sell the long-term care insurance to people because I think it does make sense and it is a good thing to have. I always look at it as it's supplemental. I don't think it's one of those things that covers a hundred percent of the cost. It's more there to, you know, if you go into it, let's make sure you don't. Completely leave a spouse destitute. It's one of those things. Like, how can we offset some of that cost? Yeah, you know, a lot. Of, like you said, things change all the time, and so you kind of have to
0: prioritize those risks to your retirement. And I've noticed over the years, Brian. People talk about risk, and they they tie that to stock market risk, but uh, that is a risk, right? But there's a lot of other <laughs> risk out there, and so that medical risk is a big one. I think a study from Fidelity that came out in 2022 says a 65 year old couple. Is going to, it should expect to spend uh, over $392,000 um, just on medical expenses, not including long term care over 30 years. Well, if you're not planning for that, man lie that could eat into your income potential. Uh, but then you throw a long term care risk on there. And so I think you have to look at every single individual and say, hey, look at your health history, look at your family genetics. You know, if your grandfather is 104, uh, well, then maybe. <laughs> maybe you're going to have a long life. So maybe- yeah, you need to be playing a little bit differently. <laughs> you play it differently. And so, but I think there's certain rules of thumb that are a starting point. And uh, we mentioned the one, the 80% of living on 80% of your what you were living on before is kind of a, a false narrative. And so you can't rely upon that. There's other rules of thumb. But what are your thoughts like on that 4% rule where you can pull 4% out
1: of your portfolio and live on that and never touch principal? Have you seen that? I mean, I, I think fun. it's a great back of the napkin starting point is what I always tell people. And I still, I mean, if I'm talking with a client who we just met or a prospect, you know, will I bring it up? Yes. Will we use it? Yes. Is it an easy math to kind of accomplish to get a kind of a, a ballpark number of, hey, we need to hit, you know, kind of this amount in assets to pull off. The income you're looking to achieve? Yes. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Like, there, I don't believe there's a panacea. And I think there's a lot more planning that comes into play and forecasting and things like that that need to happen to kind of get more, I'll say, concrete or more, I'll say, better percentages as far as confidence going into it with the planning. But for, you know, quick back of the napkin, hey, how much do I really need to retire? Is the 4% rule not bad? No, I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's a good starting point, but I think it, is a starting point that should be noted as a starting point. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. It's a wonderful starting
0: point to start the conversation, to say, here's a general thing to look at. How does that feel? But then let's start digging a little bit deeper um, on that to make sure the plan's unique to you. And so maybe one of those factors of success, I always try to find factors of success on things. And one of them maybe is rules of thumb or really rules of thumb. Uh, there are general statements to use as starting points. When you try to think about other factors of success, so if you try to think about different investors, some have a higher level of success than others in their financial planning success. Can you think of some key Let's say maybe some factors of success or things that are common that you see in those that are
1: actually achieving their financial goals versus those that are not. I would say the biggest thing that I've seen, if I think about it quickly, is is that the ones who have had the most success are planning for it. And what I mean by that, and it doesn't have to be like, hey, every nickel and dime is accounted for. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, is that there is a conscious effort, a conscious level that they are thinking about their money in a different way, and they're planning of like, hey, we need to be saving this or you know, hey, we have this, we need to be spending this or we're doing upgrades on the house or whatever it might be before they pull the trigger. They're thinking about it as far as what is the unintended consequence I'm not thinking about. If I spend this money on this house upgrade, does that leave me less money to live off of later on? Or will I recoup it? And I think it's that planning phase of what's going to happen next and thinking a little bit into the future is what I've seen is the probably the biggest differentiator between ones I see really succeed and ones who tend to go through their money extremely fast. Yeah, I'll tell you, that,
0: that's huge, man. I mean, I love how you phrase that is that they, that they're thinking through those decisions before they make those decisions. And we all know that when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so actually think through that way with your financial decisions before you make it. So, let me ask you to piggyback on that question a little bit. Let's get a little yep. more granular. Can you think of a success story or maybe a memorable experience in your, with your financial advice where you gave some advice and that really impacted someone's, their life or their financial situation without, we don't need the name of a client, obviously. Sorry. Can you think it through as a story that would actually kind of summarize that?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I I will use it in the sense of that that's the fine line between living your life and saving for tomorrow. And uh, we had a client come in, uh, a decent amount of money, actually quite a bit, uh, had sold the company. And one thing he really wanted to do was take a world trip, kind of a world travel trip with his whole family, take all of his kids. And it was before they kind of were in college, and he was concerned. He came to us and was like, "Hey, can I afford this? Can I do this? What's the What's the consequence?" And so we were, you know, we ran the numbers, looked at what it was going to be, you know, and yeah, I did you know that, that's a sizable trip to pay for for five people for sure. And so we looked at it all, and honestly, the fact is, is that as far as the time and everything else and where he was going to spend it, you know, he could do it. Did it have an impact later on? Yes. But the fact is, is, you know, even till this day, he still thanks us for going on that trip because he created so many memories. But he had the confidence after we ran the numbers to actually take that trip and still know that retirement was going to be okay for him. And I think that's, to me, that's the key piece, right? Is is that he enjoyed his life. He's got memories that you know will last forever his kids have memories that will last forever but he thought about it before he pulled that trigger i think that kind of sums it up pretty well is like you got to think before you pull the trigger it's not don't have a great ideas don't have these you know grandiose ideas it's have them but right. before you just willy-nilly say yeah let me drop 50 grand on this let's run it through the numbers make sure it makes sense and then say yes let's do this or if there was something else that we had to do to say figure it out you know we could have come up with a different solution yeah i
0: mean i love that story i mean that that really kind of really kind of displays the heart of what's really important to you brian is that you you love helping people understand basically those complex numbers and helping them align those big goals that they have or the dreams they may have or whatever their aspiration is with reality to get them to a spot where they can make a knowledgeable decision that leads to a wise decision and so um, you know, we've got listeners on all of our channels and everything from goodness all over the world now, it's just kind of nuts. Um, on everything that we do, and and we always try to give them those good nuggets to walk away where they can say, Man, that is a piece of info I can really apply. So, whether they're in the springs. Whether they're in Colorado, whether they're in the, who knows, the Mountain West, whether they're in, over in New York City or somewhere outside the U.S., we all have to build strong relationships with people that give us great counsel. And so whenever we kind of think about bonfire, how do you guys approach building those strong long-term relationships with your clients to where you can build that trust, where they can make better decisions? And I think that's probably going to be a blueprint to help people as they're looking for who they should work with as far as for uh, just to get wise counsel from. So, because that, how do you guys build that approach for long-term trust? What makes you guys unique and how do you go about doing it?
1: No. So, I mean, I, I mean trust is everything, right? I think this uh, this industry is built on trust, right? Like if there's no trust between the advisor and the client, then, I mean, there's no relationship in my opinion. If the client doesn't trust the advice we're giving, it's it's a non-starter. But And I think it goes both ways as well. Is that the, the advisor doesn't trust the client. Like you're not giving them the full... Uh, information, right? Like if I'm like, ah, I don't really think you're telling me the full truth here, right? Like it doesn't go well. You can't give the best advice, right? Mm-hmm. Like to your point of when we first started as being a CFP or fiduciary, everything else, like you want to give, you know, clients the best information and advice that's in their best interest. And you certainly can't do that unless they're honest with you. So, I definitely think trust comes goes a long, long way. And trust is earned. Trust is built. Uh, Trust also can go away extremely fast, much faster than it's built. So as far as how we go, I mean, obviously, one of the things we do is, you know, we start with planning. That's where we always go for before we even are doing investments or we're advising clients on management or anything like that. We start with the planning and the planning base, right? And it's a kind of a, a quick and I'll say easy entry level into kind of working with us. And I've liked that approach just because people get an idea of like, do I like working with you? Do I like the way you communicate? Do I like the way you explain things? Do I like the way you're thinking about the world. Is it aligned with me? And it's kind of a nice, you know, no harm, no foul yet, right? If it goes great, fantastic. I've earned that trust. We've earned that ability, you know, and then yes, you can turn over, you know, you feel confident turning over money and saying, Hey, run this. Let me ask you questions. Let me do this with you. If for some reason it doesn't work or you don't like this approach, there's other people out there. I'm not like, obviously there are quite a few advisors out there. You got to find someone that really works with you and your personality. And so that's what we do is, you know, what we're patient in that sense. I'm not in a rush to try to sell anyone anything. Uh, It's not about that. It's about, you know, is there a good fit and can we really help you? And I think that goes over built over time. And again, I think it's earned daily, right? So, I mean, clients can leave us at any time and there's no, we don't have any claws in them or anything like that. And I like it that way because that means I got to keep earning their business. So that's, I think that's how we differentiate ourselves is I think trust is the key part, you know, without it, nothing happens. Man, well
0: said. And I mean, I, everyone listen, I'd say, hey, th- that is just nuggets right there to start. We'll find someone that starts with planning. Uh, There's not in a rush to get to the investment side and make sure it's a great fit as far as to ultimately help you make better decisions. Um, that's a phenomenal formula, I mean, Brian. Brian Culver. thank you so much for spending time with us today. And uh, maybe we'll get back together and have round two coming up here. Uh, as far as walking more in detail on things, but I want to thank you for being with us today. And uh, as far as with our with our episode here of um, great decisions, incredible lives, retiring with intention, and uh, take the nuggets from today and make sure you apply them as far as your own decision making. And uh, look forward to talking with you all soon. Thank you again for listening to the Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire with Intention podcast with host John Kriegmer follow us on social media. Visit our website and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives. Please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose,
1: fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement.